It's mercy and peace be to you from God our Father, through the Lord Jesus. Amen. For 40 years, God led the people through the wilderness, and Moses reminds the people of this as a way of inviting them into a relationship of gratitude and thankfulness because of the life and the promise that Yahweh gives. 40 years in the desert. Now, for us to engage this invitation to thankfulness, I want to talk about the significance of the desert or the barren wasteland today. In the ancient Near Eastern imagination, the desert or the barren wasteland represented an uncreated state, an uncreated state. Prior to God speaking in Genesis 1, we hear that the land, the dirt, the land was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the abyss, and the spirit was soaring over the waters. So an uncreated state in their imagination is described as an empty and formless land. We would just use the word, there was nothing, right? There was nothing. But the way that they conceived of what nothing was, the way that their imagination talked about it, is through this idea of an empty and formless land, or also, as we hear, a watery abyss. Genesis 1 then tells the story of creation from the viewpoint of the watery abyss as God speaks and separates the waters and then land shows up and there's plants and vegetation and animals. Genesis 2 tells the story of creation with the imagination engaged on the barren wasteland because we're told that there's land but no water, no plants, no humans. Why this matters for us today is because the experience of this barren wasteland is a threatening experience of non-existence. Being left in the middle of the desert or being left out in the middle of a watery abyss both bring with it the very immediate and real threat of moving from being a created being to being decreated. Right? In the desert, no plants, no water, no provision means no life, and humans quickly return to the dust. But in the midst of the barren wasteland of Genesis 2, God makes water flow out from his presence. And he makes plants grow and vegetation, and he takes some of that wet dirt and forms it and breathes into it and makes human. And from this ground, with life flowing through the waters, God plants a garden in Eden. It's not a barren wasteland anymore. Now it's flourishing. It's inhabitable. It's abundant. Now there is abundance for the humans and the creatures to be able to thrive. Because God spoke and acted in the midst of non-existence. Our reading today from Deuteronomy, we have to remember, is taking place outside of Eden. They're in a land where the threat of decreation is ever-present. And on top of that, they're in an actual desert wilderness surrounded by them. All around them every single day for 40 years, 40 years, the very real threat of starvation and death was staring them in the face. There is not enough in the desert. But Yahweh has promised that he would lead them through the wilderness He would be with them with his life-giving presence, and specifically, he would bring them into a good land. And notice in our reading today how that good land is described. It's a land with water. 
with springs and fountains and rivers and brooks. It's a land with wheat and barley and pomegranates and fig trees and olive trees and their sweet honey dripping. It is a land that when you dig into the soil, it's not only a rich soil to plant seeds to make food grow, but you'll find precious metals there to create and to advance technologies. Everywhere you turn in this land is abundance. There's no scarcity, and God promises that they will eat, they will be satisfied, and they will have more than enough. It's a land bursting with Eden blessing. God is promising to bring them into a land full of Eden blessing and to make the creation abound with his goodness in his presence for the sake of his people. That's what he promises That's where they're headed. They are on the verge, looking into the land, about to enter into it. But here's an amazing thing. During their 40 years in that barren wasteland, God made it rain bread from heaven. He fed them with manna. And not like a little bit of manna so that they had like just enough. There was an abundance, more than enough, more than they could gather up. And he gave them quail as well. He brought water out of a rock. He didn't even let their clothing wear out. Their feet didn't swell while they were walking around for those 40 years. I mean, imagine like clothing not wearing out. I don't know what the oldest piece of clothing you have in your closet is, but I uh, probably shouldn't share this. I just recently got rid of a sweater from middle school. (laughs) I didn't wear it often, but it was falling apart, right? let alone clothes that you are wearing like every single day. Their clothes did not wear out. God made Eden blessing show up in the barren wasteland. The God who spoke in the beginning and brought life and creation where there was nothing. There was no life, no creation. God spoke in the desert to the people of Israel and brought life to them. Humans don't live on bread alone. They live on the word of God who speaks bread into existence. The word of God who speaks water and abundance into existence. And they're called to trust this life-giving word of God. To give thanks for what he brings and to respond in generosity towards one another. To keep his commands, right? This is an invitation not to some sort of optimism, but to a daring hope. Optimism would be a call to look at the barren wasteland, look at all the threat and danger, all the forces that are dragging creation back into non-existence and to try to find the silver lining. Optimism says, there's good here, we just need to be clever enough to find it. We just need to put our heads together and make it work, even if it's just for some This is not a call to optimism, but a call to look into the very land of death and to look into the midst of violence and tragedy and loss, to stare into the very face of scarcity and to trust that God can speak and God can bring life where there is none. This is not optimism. This is a daring hope that we are invited to. The problem with optimism in the barren wasteland of life is that optimism can easily turn towards abuse in the way of Pharaoh. And I'm not saying that optimism is bad. It's okay to be an optimistic person. Uh, But think about it this way. There's not enough land and food to go around. So what might 
optimism in the way of Pharaoh looked like. Well, let's put our heads together. We can make it work, even if not for all, but for some. And what shall we do? There's not enough. Well, let's enslave the people. Let's weaponize the food supply and store it up in cities so that we're the only ones who get to say who has and who has not. There's a danger of war on the horizon, a threat of being decreated by violence. We can figure it out. We can come up with a plan. What do we have access to? Land, labor, and force. Let's subjugate the people so that they can't join our enemies. God tests the people in the wilderness to see if they will follow his commands, to see if they would trust him, his ways, his word that speaks abundance and life, or if they would go back to Egypt and they would become like Pharaoh. Would they rely on him even when death is all around them? Would they rely on him even when everything in their circumstances seems the exact opposite of God's goodness? When everything seems like a threat to their existence, will they trust him? If God brings life in the wasteland, abundant life for all, if our God is a God whose fidelity brings daring hope, then our relationship can actually be one that is marked by joy and gratitude. It is only in this relationship of trust that there can be the fullness of gratitude and thanksgiving. Being in a relationship with the God who brings life where there is death, the God who again brings water on the dry ground, abundance in the midst of scarcity, that is a relationship where joy and thanksgiving can truly flourish. None of what we have is the work of our hands. Because God called into being everything that exists out of that which did not exist. God's compassion puts us in a position to acknowledge that all that we have is gift. Life is gift. All our possessions, gift, food, clothing, water, safety, community, whatever, it's all gift. And it's only when we trust God's provision as gift that we can learn to carry out his ways of compassion in the fullest way in the world. If we have eyes to see in the midst of scarcity that God is able to create abundance, that frees us to be able to give to others, to be able to share what we have. Because even if we were to give away everything we had, even if we were left with nothing out of that generosity, out of that nothing, God is able to speak and bring life. When we do not trust this ability of God, we're in danger of becoming like Pharaoh. If God is not the one who speaks into the wasteland, if God is not the one who speaks words and brings life, then giving and sharing becomes terrifying. It becomes a threat to our existence. How will I know that I have enough? How will I know that I will be secure and safe for the future? No, the wasteland of scarcity, the frightening unknowns of retirement, the uncertainties of the financial market, the steep cost of inflation, the weight of debt, it's just safer to hold on to what little we might have and to cling to what little safety we have because we are afraid of the alternative. And if we cling to it, or if we try to hoard on to an abundance that we have because we're worried about losing it in the future, It means others are harmed by our choices, even if others are prevented from provision that, again, we might be able to offer. 
This is not intended to be a give financially even when you don't have money sort of thing. Far too often the church has weaponized faith, has weaponized generosity against those that don't have. You don't have enough? Just trust God you do and it's going to be okay. That's oppressive. That's harmful to people. God's promise of provision in life is not meant to keep us at a distance from other people or to be used by us to try to give something to some sort of cause. Rather, it's meant to be something that we wrestle with in how we relate to our fellow human beings. There are people who go without. And maybe even some of you here are in that position today of feeling like, I don't have enough. And cannot offer anything in any way in that regards. You see, it's not just about money, though. There are people, again, who go without, and maybe we have something that we can offer. And again, it may not exclude money, but it's really also about our attitudes towards our fellow human beings. When we look out into the world and we see the barren wasteland, and we see the dangers of scarcity and violence, when we see the danger of loss that we encounter every day, Will we be defined by that fear, or will we dare to hope against all circumstances that God can and will prevail to bring life and abundance? It's in this hope that we can, again, be truly thankful and joyful towards our God, and it's in this hope that we can be truly generous with our words and our behaviors and our relationships with others. God has promised to bring us into Eden blessing. He has promised the realities of death and decreation will be removed fully once and for all. And the resurrection of Jesus is the triumph of Jesus over the powers of decreation, triumph over the fear that it brings to us as human beings. If Jesus can enter into death itself and come out physically alive and well, then we can dare to hope that no matter what the situation, God truly can bring life and Eden blessing. The day is coming, after all, we trust when it will be so, throughout every corner of the creation. In the meantime, God gives us eyes to see what cannot be seen, to see what can only be seen through faith, He gives us eyes to see the barren wilderness, eyes that see the reality of death and disorder all around us. But he also gives us eyes to see that dare to trust that God is not thwarted by these circumstances. I mean, he made bread rain down in the wasteland. He kept their clothes from wearing out for 40 years. We are not promised the same miraculous activity of God at all, but we are promised that this same God is with us by the Spirit and that he manifests abundance still today. But rather than promises of miraculous clothing or manna from heaven, instead he gives us one another. He gives us our present resources. And maybe today that does not seem like enough. And maybe, maybe it actually isn't enough for some of us. But we're part of a group of people that trust that God's word speaks everything into existence as a gift, and that our gratitude and this gratitude towards this gift of life, if we do have, we can share with those that do not. 
We can posture ourselves in our words, in our behaviors, towards one another as seeing one another as fellow travelers in the desert. That where the threat of scarcity rears its terrifying face, we can intervene to lift up those who lack. We can lose because our God is faithful and can fill up whatever is lost. And if we do not have enough, we can learn to rely upon one another as God is working to bring his provision by the Spirit at work in our midst. This is challenging. It's, it's complicated and difficult, but it's something that we are empowered by the Spirit to be able to do in our relationships. We are invited to thanksgiving, a thankfulness that stands against the fear that would overwhelm us and lead us away from God and neighbor. And we instead turn towards gratitude by positioning ourselves ever on the hope that we have in the God we know in Jesus. The one who has gone into the very threat of the desert, who entered death itself, but has come out again, alive and well, bringing the abundance of life flowing out into the world. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.